0: You know that, that, that uh rendition of Ezekiel chapter 38 if I was to just show that to anybody and they could piece it all together like a jigsaw puzzle and see yes Russia is moving down into the Middle East yes there is some friction going on in the Middle East yes Israel is right there in the centre of it all And, and yes that all seems to make sense that must have been you know someone the author of that must have written that in the last few years because of course you know it's only really started to all really be pieced together in the last few years. That was written two and a half thousand years ago. Two and a half thousand years, that's a prophecy out of the Bible. And God said, It's not until you see Israel return to the land that I'm going to start putting all these pieces together with Russia, with all the other nations, with everybody to bring about my plan and purpose. And Israel returned to the land in 1948. And some of you here in this room were probably alive in 1948. My mum and dad came to understand the Bible in 1948 because of the prophecy of the Jews returning to the land. Two and a half thousand years that was written ago, but it's to do with our day and time. And God wants us to start getting very excited about it. And we should be. We should be getting very excited about it. Now, I'm going to show you a a, a slide here uh, that... It really involves a question and it's a question to all the audience here and I don't care whether you have been a Bible student for 50 years or whether this is your first time ever in this hall. It doesn't matter to me. There is a definition of the word faith and some of us here know what that definition is because we've sort of grown up to understand it. What's the definition of faith? Here it is. It's very true. Faith is the substance of things hoped for but the evidence of things not seen. And for centuries, centuries, Bible students have been living by faith. But not anymore. We don't live by faith anymore. We live by reality. You and I live with reality. And the reason why we can say that is because the evidence of the things we have hoped for are now a reality. You and I in 2019 and for the last few years, and really it's building up to a crescendo, are living with this evidence being a reality. And sure, faith is a big part of our lives. Make no mistake about it because we know that this whole scenario of what's happening in the world today is building up to a climactic change for this world-like this world has never known before and that is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to fix up this broken planet and he is coming and that's what he's going to do and what he wants to do and what our Heavenly Father wants him to do as well to fix this broken planet up and we have faith that's going to happen but we are seeing the evidence right here and now that it is taking place. Every day we pick up, the radio, pick up the newspaper, turn on the radio, watch something on the news, on television or whatever. Those things that we quite often see, particularly as they relate to Russia, Middle East, USA, Europe, they are all part of the jigsaw puzzle that God is piecing together to bring about his plan and purpose. So the question is, are we living in the end times well, i put this little chart up for you so that we can try and understand whether or not we are living in the end. I started our time chart at BC 500, uh, which is where a lot of the prophets started in, in promoting the prophecies of God and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and the return of Israel to the land. And, and Ezekiel was one of those prophets that prophesied in BC 500. And that's where they started uh, ezekiel daniel jeremiah joel zachariah all have amazing prophecies concerning the end times but not a lot happened for a long 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 period of time yes god is a very patient god god doesn't live by watch he doesn't live by time because he's from everlasting to everlasting he doesn't care about a day to him it can be a thousand years a thousand years can be a day to god it, it, time is irrelevant Everything is in God's time. Then suddenly on the world scene in 1948, an amazing prophecy took place. God said, I will return my people to their homeland, to Israel. And he did. And that's a prophecy in Ezekiel 37. And many Christadelphian Bible students were so excited when that prophecy took place. Then in 1967, Jerusalem came under the control just as the Lord Jesus Christ said in the prophecy in Luke 21 came under the control of the Jews in the six-day war the very famous six-day war when the Jews finally captured Jerusalem after 2,000 years of not owning it not controlling it they now have full control of Jerusalem 1967 then suddenly we saw a breakdown in the fabric of society Moral decay started in the 70s, the 80s and so on with drugs being introduced into the culture of lifestyles and, you know, the hippie era and, and the rebellious era and all those things that happen. The, the society, the fabric of society was really being put to the test. The moral decay started to occur just like the Lord Jesus Christ said it would then in Matthew 24, we have the increase in natural disasters, and the amount of natural disasters have increased quite dramatically over the last 30 or 40 years. If you only got to look now that we've got so much information available to us on Google. You just look it up. Look how many earthquakes are happening. Look how many famines are happening. It's, it's happening at an incremental rate at the moment. Uh, there was an increase in uh, wars, new nations popping up, I believe we are getting another new nation in the coming week or two, there's apparently another new nation's going to be popped up, possibly Bougainville, that's the one that they say may end up, well, I haven't heard the latest on that one, but there's all sorts of things and the amount of wars people are fighting has started to increase. Uh, there would be an increase in knowledge, said God in Daniel 12. All of these things that God said would happen, he said, I will make sure all these things happen right before your very eyes as a sign, as a prelude to the last jigsaw puzzle to be put in place, which is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perplexing world problems with no way out, I think, you know, we saw that, didn't we, in 2001, particularly with the terrorist activities in New York and changed our lives forever. It takes so much longer now just to go through, to get onto a plane with the security and so on. Uh, God said there would be certain problems you cannot escape from now and that's really starting to bite home, isn't it? Uh, events striking fear into all the people, terrorism around the world, um, Russia's comeback from obscurity, Boy, haven't they made a big comeback since the 90s when they were almost just destitute country. Suddenly this man comes into the, into the fray, he comes into the position, he, he revives the nationalistic values of the country, he revives their economy, he revives their military and suddenly Russia's on the world stage once again because of that one man, Vladimir Putin, who's brought them to that point. Uh, Israel's friends forsake her. The amount of anti-Semitism in the world today is increasing dramatically. It is quite amazing. Now, God said all these things will be a precursor to the greatest event this world has ever seen. Return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Russia move, will move into the Middle East, Ezekiel 38, which was our reading, which we portrayed in the graphic way on the screen. That happened in 2015. They came down into Syria. They've got a foothold there. They're not going to move out. They are very happy there, especially now that America's moved back out of Syria. Uh, Britain votes to exit the EU. We're still waiting to see how that plays out, but we believe as Bible students they will get out of the EU, and we've been saying that for years, and we believe it will happen. Whether it happens this time around doesn't matter. It will happen. God said Britain has to be divorced from Europe, separated from Europe, They're not to be a part of Europe. They're going to be a definite, definitive part, as Ezekiel 38 tells us, which is not part of Europe. And this man comes on the scene. We'll say a little bit about him in a moment or two. Uh, Quite an incredible man is Donald Trump, for all the wrong reasons, really, but what he has achieved as far as this book is concerned, unwittingly, I don't think he's a great Bible student. In fact, I don't think he knows anything about the Bible, to be honest with you. But at the end of the day, He's been placed in in power for a specific reason. More about that later. Uh, Events, uh, North Korea, you know, the weak nations that Joel says would stand up and say, I am strong, rattling the sabre, so to speak. They've come on the scene. We've got Iran. Uh, It's really quite an amazing thing. So you can see what's happened here. Can you see, for a long time, nothing happened. And suddenly 1948, then 67, then bang, bang. And they're getting closer together. I mean, if I really put on the chart all the other things that have happened, it would look quite confusing. But you can see there's something happening almost every day now. The Apostle Paul stated this concerning the last days in which we live and the days prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He likened them, he likened those events to the birth pangs, the labour pains of an expectant mother. That's what he said in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 3. He said, like the birth pangs of an expectant mother, you can expect to see all these signs happening closer and closer and closer together until suddenly, until suddenly, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ happens. Now, for all the mums in the audience here, you know exactly, and the husbands and the dads here that have been through the, the process of, of uh, welcoming children into the world... You know exactly what I mean by birth pangs because you know it starts out. Oh, I've got a pain, that's okay. <laughs> first time, first baby, you have your panic. Oh, quick, get to the hospital, they go, go home. <laughs> you got a little while to go yet. But after a while, the pains start to come closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. Next thing, they're every 30 seconds, they're happening so quick. Then this child's born into the world, and Paul says, You are going to see sign. Then you're going to see another sign. Then you're going to see another sign. Then you see sign, sign, sign. Bang, bang, bang. One after the other and then bang. The birth of a new era in this world is going to happen with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't bury our heads in the sand with that timeline. Are we living in the end times? Absolutely. And we are living in a world, as Daniel 12 verse 1 said it would be, a time of trouble such as never ever was. How many times, how many nations have you seen in turmoil in previous decades in your life, or if you're that old, you know, you can go back. You can't, it's just, I've never known so many people, so much turmoil to be happening around the world. It doesn't matter where you look. Uh, you know, it's, it's just about every country, even Australia, Africa, Germany, Russia, South America. Uh, we can go on, Hong Kong, one of the most stable countries countries or little enclave of China that you could think of, Britain, USA, Israel, France, we've got Chile in trouble, Spain in trouble, they're all rising up and rebelling. And the Lord Jesus Christ said this about the last days in which we live. He made a very clear definition, if you like, and it's a really good one. He says, there will be signs in the political and religious powers and people will show great distress with inescapable problems, they will be like the stormy seas. Now all I see on the world platform today is stormy seas. I just see nation upon nation, country upon country, people upon people, fighting the governments, fighting each other. All the turmoil that has just built up to this pressure cauldron that we're in today is occurring just as the Lord Jesus Christ said would happen prior to his return to this earth so bible prophecy is definitely vindicated and who has the capacity to resolve all the world's issues well it's not going to be scott morrison it's not going to be donald trump it's not going to be boris johnson it's not going to be chancellor merkel or she's retiring soon certainly not going to be vladimir putin it won't be the pope it will be nobody on this planet has got the know-how or the uh, the the ability to be able to solve the world's problems the world's problems can only be solved by one person that's the son of god and he that's his mandate that's his duty that's what he wants to do he wants to get back in and solve those problems so bible prophecy is vindicated Let's just go through some of the things the Bible said would happen prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's see if we can put a green tick alongside of those things. So here we go. Israel returns to the land, Ezekiel 37. We can put a great big green tick alongside of that. The rise of Russia, Ezekiel 38. Once a poverty nation 100 years ago, not any longer. Jerusalem recaptured by the Jews, Luke 21. Decline in morals, Luke 17. Increase in famines and earthquakes. We can put a great big green stick to tick by all of these prophetical uh, prophecies that were made so long ago. Increase in knowledge. Oh, wow. The last 10 years have just frightened me, let alone the last 30 or 40 years of what's happened. Uh, increase in world of fear. Total unrest amongst so many nations. UK itself isolating it from Europe. Basis of men set up as world leaders, Daniel chapter 4, we'll say something about that in a second. Weak nations bragging about their strength. These are all the prophetical signs, and there's many more, just couldn't fit them all on the screen, that God said through His book, the Bible, would happen, would come to pass prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we can put a green tick alongside all of these events, Why would we doubt the next event? Why would we doubt the next major event happening? You know, it's so interesting, isn't it? You get out your green pen. Yes, that's happened. Yes, that's happened. Bang, bang, we're ticking. Wow, all of those things have happened. All of those jigsaw puzzles have been put in place. Why on earth would we ever doubt that last peace to go in the jigsaw puzzle, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, why would we doubt that God is ready to place that into position? Why? It'd be silly to do that. We don't want to do that. We want to be ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to talk a little bit about Donald Trump for a second. Um, There is a quote in the Bible that says in Daniel 4 verse uh, 17... Uh, God says, I want the living to know that the Most High, that is, he's talking about himself, rules in the kingdom of men. And he gives it to whomever he wants to. He sets up over it, at times, the basest of men. The basest of men. So what that's telling us is that God is in complete control. Now, there would be some... And we visited America a few times and and Donald Trump has polarised that country, absolutely polarised. And there would be some there that are just itching of having him impeached and get him out. and That may happen, we don't know. But the point we are making is that he's been set up in that position for a reason. And I don't particularly think Donald Trump is a pleasant man. I think he's a very base man, he's a very immoral person. He doesn't have the flair that some of the other previous presidents have had in his acumen, and his way of speech and so on. But he's been put there for a, position, for a purpose. And this quote tells me that God's got the prerogative to do that and he does that around the world when he's trying to bring about his plan and his purpose. So we want to have a little look about Donald Trump. Before we do, a couple of nations that are always in the news these days... Uh, is, of course, Israel and Russia. And again, Ezekiel 38 points out the fact that Israel and Russia would be dominant in the world news prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Let's talk, firstly, before we get on to Trump, about this man, uh, Vladimir Putin. Totally the opposite of Donald Trump. I'm not suggesting in a moral way. I don't know much about him morally. He's a bit of a secretive person in that regard. But as far as intellect goes, he is an extraordinarily smart cookie. He is a very, very smart cookie. He's moved into Syria, his troops into Syria, because he's very loyal to backing those that are his allies. And Syria was one of his allies. And he's not like America that will back them for as much as they want to and then say, that's it, boys, we're heading out. And America's done that time again, quite a few nations. And Syria being one of them just recently. Iraq, they're pulling their troops out as well. Now, we don't, we're not here to dictate what America should do as far as their war politics are concerned. We're just making observation in, in light of what the Bible tells us. And the Bible says that Russia will get a foothold in the Middle East. And they have. They're down in Syria, right smack bang in the centre of the Middle East, right next door to Israel. A tiny little country that fits 367 times into Australia but dominates world headlines. Far more influence than Australia will ever have and yet they can fit into Australia that many times. It's quite incredible. And how did, did Putin become such an elevated person on the world platform in the Middle East? Well, part of it was because Donald Trump helped it happen. I mean, this was out of the papers not all that long ago. In fact, there it is, October, 16th of October, just over a month ago. Here's your headlines uh, from the Telegraph. Donald Trump has handed Putin the Middle East on a plate. Is Putin the new king in the Middle East? What a statement to make in light of Bible prophecy. He stamped his authority there, very much so in the last few years, but more so in the last few months. And that's exactly what Ezekiel 38 says, what we saw in that reading. This man would come out of the uttermost parts of the north, draw a line straight up from Israel, straight through Jerusalem, and go right to the uttermost part of the north, and you dissect straight through the outer suburbs of Moscow from Jerusalem, straight through Moscow. Can't be talking about any other country. And here is Russia now, down in the Middle East, and and really showing their influence and their might and their power in that particular area. A couple of events that have happened in Israel during the the, the past few years, which is quite interesting. And and this is interesting because Israel has never been a wealthy nation far as resources go. They never had oil, not like Saudi Arabia and many of the other countries around, Egypt and so on. They're all oil-rich countries especially Saudi Arabia, Israel had none of that. Until just recently, they found huge gas reserves offshore, massive gas reserves. It was exciting to them. They've never, ever had any natural resources they could rely on. And then suddenly into their lap falls this incredible amount of huge deposits of gas and they also found huge oil reserves in the Golan Heights. Two things that have happened in the last few years for Israel. And you might say, so what? What's this all got to do with Bible prophecy? Well, Israel's already talking about selling some of their gas to Europe to go via Egypt, uh, which Egypt does have some, some terrific gas refineries. And don't forget, Israel and, and Egypt are on a peace packed with each other so they can sell gas if they want to through Egypt, whether they do it that way or not, they may decide to refine it themselves. You don't just get gas out of the ground and pump it across. You've got to to be able to do something to it before it's ready to be used. But they're talking of a $20 billion export to, to Europe per year of gas. Now, I have to ask you, would Putin be happy with that? Because Russia's huge, major income... Is selling gas to Europe. And Putin, by the way, holds huge amounts of shares in a company called Gazprom, which is an energy resource company. And and so personally, his wealth is massive, billions and billions of dollars. Some say he's actually the richest man in the world, more than Jeff Bezos. Who knows, because he's such a secretive man. But he's worth billions of dollars because he has all these shares. How he gained them? That's that's another story altogether, but he has got them, and he's very nationalistic, and he hates to see any advantage that Russia has in a certain sector, which is selling gas to Europe, come under under attack. So he's not going to be happy with what Israel's found. And both of these uh, incredible finds have caused Russia great concern. Uh, this article here appeared only November 22nd. What's the date? 26th? That's a few days old. The US is out. They're out of the Middle East. They're pulling their troops out. They're, they're, basically, Donald said, we've had enough. We're not fighting other people's wars. We're getting out. Russia's in, so Russia's rubbing their hands. They're all happy. Can Israel stand up to the new sheriff in town? wow. You know, as Christadelphian Bible students, that was an exciting headline to read. This is not a Bible student writing this. This is a journalist writing it. He may as well have been reading Ezekiel 38 and working out. We didn't, obviously, but it's, it, it, what he is saying is dovetailing exactly what Bible prophecy would say. That article goes on to say this. Now, have a look at this. And I couldn't put it on the screen, so I've just written it up the top here. Here's what it says. The discovery of vast quantities of natural gas offshore by Israel in the Tamar and Leviathan Reservoirs, has Moscow worried that Israel might break the Russian grip on the European gas market? Vladimir Putin will not stand for any attack on Russia's interests in Europe. Not that Israel are going to attack them. They're just going to do what they're very good at. They're going to sell gas for a cheaper price into Europe. There's going to be another big player in the field now. Russia's not going to be happy with that. So much so that he's, the Daily Mail had this quite some time ago. He said Russia warns Israel to keep their hands off the Golan Heights oil. And they have to date. Israel had not bothered about the oil finds they've found in the Golan Heights simply because it's not worth getting out of the ground at the moment because oil prices are so low. But Russia has said, no, you're not going to touch that oil. Leave your hands off it. So you can see this this argy-bargy that's going on already between Israel and and Russia, and Israel are very fearful. They don't want to engage Russia in any significant volatile way whatsoever because it's not like the Arab nations that they can control and keep under under the pressure cooker. You can't keep Russia there. It's a much different um, a, a kettle of fish, if I can use that term. But here's the Times of Israel. A very reputable paper has, uh, has this as a, as a headline. Israel's air superiority is now clouded by new Russian missiles in Syria. It's only a matter of time before all these sorties that Israel's doing into Syria to take out some of the Iranian uh, stations there that Russia will give, finally, the green light to the Syrians to push the button and take some of those Israeli jets out of the sky because their systems, their, their air missile system is very, very superior and Israel's worried about that. But it is interesting in Ezekiel 38, and if you're following the reading and you may have missed this, but Ezekiel 38 verse 4 says this, I will put hooks into your jaws, and he's talking about the Russian Confederate power, particularly Russia and other forces that will join with them, I will put hooks in your jaws and I will lead you with all your military forces into conflict. Now that basically is telling us, if you really put um, a meaning to that terminology, what God is doing is says, I'm going to drag you by the is it the word gals, gals, <laughs> your cheeks, I'm going to put my hooks in there and I'm going to drag you into a conflict. It's not as though Russia is looking for a fight in Ezekiel 38. It's through necessity, it's an act of self-preservation that they're going to come down into that region, that they're going to come and do what, they, what Ezekiel 38 says because they've got to preserve and protect their own interests. Do they want to have a big fight with somebody? No, they don't. But if it comes to the fact that we've got to preserve our Russian interests, we will do what it takes to make it happen. And we're seeing that. russia being drawn into this particular situation Ever so slowly, and of course, this man is is extremely intelligent, highly intellectual. Everything he does seems to turn to gold. He's the man with the mightiest touch. Uh, he's voted uh, as uh, was for up to 2016. They didn't. Have, Forbes didn't have a vote in 2017. I don't know why. But the last two years, it's been um, the uh, the president of China has won it. But This man's been second anyway. So he is a huge influential figure in world politics. And Gog, which is the reference used in Ezekiel 38, means one at the top. If ever there's a man at the top of his game, it's this man here. He is right at the top of his game. And if ever there is a crowning country at the top over, as it were, Israel and Middle East, it's Russia. It's like a hat that sits over that region of the, of the geographical area of the world. You know, this—he's uh, boasted that his troops could invade invade five NATO cities within two days, and NATO believe he could. NATO have—they've basically said there is absolutely no way in the world we could ever stop a Russian invasion of Europe. We don't necessarily believe that Russia will invade Europe but they will win Europe over. The Bible tells us that Europe will be on Russia's side and we'll show you that in a moment because that's happening. And so we get to this man, finally. was A little bit premature in saying something about Donald Trump earlier on but here he is. Was he put into power for a specific reason? I was, Ruth and I were over in Israel in 2000, November 2016 we were down in Elat the final ballot was taking place, the election was taking place and the time difference was quite different, um, it certainly wasn't daytime over there while the ballot was being counted in America and uh, we were just going off to sleep it was about midnight I think it was and I turned, flicked the telly on and uh, CNN had the coverage saying well looks like Hillary Clinton's going to make it, she's going quite well and Poor old Donald Trump's lagging behind quite a bit and I said to Ruth, well, that's interesting because to be honest with you, a lot of of Bible students actually thought maybe God's got something in store for Donald Trump because if you think about it, he started off on the back foot right from the word go, He, he beat every individual Republican candidate that he had to beat, the whole lot of them. And it wasn't through his own brilliance of speech or anything, but somehow he got through and he beat every individual one. And some of them were highly intelligent, great debaters. Everything went was going for them. But somewhere along the line, Donald Trump was the last man still standing. And there he was right at the end. And as Bible students, we knew Daniel 4 verse 17, that God will put into power the basest of men. So we thought, maybe God's got something in store for this man. Perhaps he's there for a reason. It's very interesting. So we were sort of thinking, hey, you know, he's the last man standing out of all the Republican candidates. He takes on Hillary Clinton and midnight from where we were in Israel looked like Hillary was going to bolt it in. So I turned the telly off, went back to sleep, I don't know, four or five o'clock in the morning. I thought, oh, you know, rub the sleep out of my eyes. I'll turn the telly on and see what's going on. And Ruth, wake up, have a look. He was in front. And the the announcers couldn't believe it. They they were on the edge of their seat going, what is going on in this world? How could this possibly be happening? Well, yeah, we we all were quite excited about this happening, but it came back in our minds. God said, I will put into power the basest of men because I want things to happen while they're in control. Now, I'm going to show you a little video. It goes for a couple of minutes. It's It's quite humorous, actually. This is prior to Donald Trump becoming president. The entire world said he could never make it. Everybody, all the celebrities, the whole work said there is no way Donald Trump would ever be president of the United States of America. God had different ideas. Have a look at this little clip. There's not going to be a President Donald Trump. Um, That's not going to happen. Donald Trump will not be called President! He's not going to be President. He is not, Donald Trump is not going to be President of the United States. Take it to the bank. Okay. I guarantee it. All right, all right. You think if he becomes the president, he'll make, make it great because the states is already great. I think that man will be president of the United States right about the time that spaceships come down filled with dinosaurs and red capes. I'm at that, note, Tom. <laughs> take it, it from me. How about much. that? Tom, and then, of course, there's Donald Trump. Donald Trump has been saying that he will run for president as a Republican, which is surprising since I just assumed he was running as a joke. <laughs> Donald Trump. Just last week, he confirmed to the National Review that he is again considering a run in 2016. Do it. Do it. Look, Look at me. Do it. I will personally write you a campaign check now on behalf of this country, which does not want you to be president, but which badly wants you to run. So when you stand and deliver that State of the Union address in no part of your mind or brain can you imagine Donald Trump? standing up one day and delivering a State of the Union address? Well, I can imagine it uh, in a Saturday night skit. I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. He will never be president of the United States. And uh, we better be ready for the fact that he might be leading the Republican ticket. Next. (laughs) I know you don't believe that, but I want to go on. (laughs) Sorry to laugh. Okay, here we are. And which Republican candidate has the best chance of winning the general election? Of the declared ones, right now, Donald Trump. And so, right now, Mr. Trump, to answer your call for political honesty, I just want to say, you're not going to be president, all right? It's been fun. It's been great. I love you, but but. But come on, come on, buddy! I'll make a prediction, though, for you. And I don't really get into predictions much, but this one I'll go way out on a limb. Donald Trump will never, ever, be president of the United States. That Trump should not be in this race. He's an absurdity. He is a travesty. Donald Trump will never be elected president of the United States. Donald Trump is a here-today, gone-tomorrow, candidate for president of the United States. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Uh, Ever respectful of the fact that the people have not voted, he's not going to be president of the United States. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States, exclamation point, at real Donald Trump. (laughs) Well, at real Donald Trump, at least I will go down as a president. Well, November 2016, the world saw a miracle. God said, Daniel 4:17, "I'll put whoever I want into power, and even if it's the lowliest, basest of men with no moral fibre or character whatsoever, if they're the ones suitable to do my will in bringing about things in the world, it will happen." And it shocked the world when he became president. Uh, it really did. Uh, I remember this gentleman here, journalist for the CNN. He, he got on with his own show and he said, today the world witnessed a miracle. They certainly did. How did he win? There's all sorts of conjecture. How did it happen? What happened? Oh, yeah, the Russians interfered. He won because God wanted him there. And uh, only now, this was by Mario Morello, another journalist, he said, only now can we see the big miracle. how big a miracle his election truly was. So as Bible students, what has Donald Trump achieved that is significant to us? What's he actually achieved? With all his bluster, with all his ego, hugely proud man, what has he achieved as far as Bible prophecy is concerned? Well, this is where I think you'll find it very interesting. The first things or one of the first things he did which had huge significance as far as the Bible was concerned was he moved the embassy from the US embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Now you might think so what? You you may remember that was done even little old Adelaide was you know they they had marches in some of the streets here saying how terrible that was because what it was it was it was showing solidarity for Jerusalem being the capital of the Jewish people. Up until that point in time, no American president was ever game enough since 1948, or 67 really, when Israel took control of Jerusalem. None of them were game enough to go out on a limb and do that. Donald Trump did. He said, no, that's what's happening. So what he actually did, he fulfilled Zechariah 12 verse 3, because God said, prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth... I am going to make Jerusalem a burdensome stone. I'm going to make it so hot to handle. I'm going to cause all eyes of the world to be upon it. I'm going to focus the tension. Now, you couldn't get any more attention being focused on that city when Donald Trump stood up and said, we're moving the embassy across to Jerusalem. It was incredible. It caused so much angst around the world. Europe were totally opposed to it. Even Australia was sort of like this about it. I mean, you know, we're pretty pro-American, but they were like this about it. As Bible students, we went, wow, he's just helped fulfill a Bible prophecy. Unwittingly, of course, but he's done it. And you know, this is some of the cartoons that appeared in the paper not long after Um, Donald Trump announced that, you know, with all the the missiles, death to Israel. But wouldn't moving our embassy to Jerusalem make some people angry? And Israel Says you get used to that. And it's amazing what has happened. And now Israel's inviting all the other nations to come and put their embassy in Jerusalem as well. Another thing that Donald Trump has done, he's very successfully divided the West, as in I'm talking... You know, America, possibly Australia to a certain extent, Britain, but particularly America, he's put the wedge between himself or with USA and Europe. And these are now headlines. It's very clear that Trump is toxic for Europe. So what has Europe done now that they don't seem to be able to rely so much on the USA? Guess who they have turned to to shake hands with and start forming some reasonably good economic ties and don't, you wait for it, there'll be some military ties happening some stage down the line. They've been leaning towards their enemy that's been their enemy since World War II and in recent times the friendship that Europe is forging with Russia has the Americans very concerned. They're blaming Donald Trump for it. So Donald Trump, God put him in power, we believe he did, and he's doing all these things to bring about God's plan and purpose. What else has happened? Well, let's have a look at Turkey, for example. Now that that, uh, America has pulled out of Syria, it's left Turkey free reign. So they were starting to push into Syria to get rid of the Kurds, which they hate. It's a very complicated mess over in that region. And, and Turkey's starting to rattle the sabres a bit themselves, saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to move in. And who steps in and saves them? Who steps in and, and stops it and quells it immediately? It's Russia. As soon as Russia and Syrian troops moved into that demilitarised zone, Turkey went, whoa, hang on a second, we don't want to deal with the Russians in this. We don't want to get involved with them. Because... Russia wants Turkey to leave NATO and to join forces into the Russian camp. So says the BISA strategic studies. That's Ezekiel 38, because one of the countries, to Gomar is Turkey. Turkey must be on side with Russia. They're starting to form a great friendship, Turkey and Russia. You might remember uh, when... The, the uh, Iranians bombed the Saudi Arabian refinery not all that long ago, a few months back. It caused uh, havoc, because we know about it, because when we went and filled our tanks up, our, the price went up 20 cents just about overnight because of that oil refinery attack. And uh, Saudi Arabia put enormous pressure on America to do something about it. Saudi Arabia would never attack Iran. They, they're, not, they don't have the, they're not a military power. They, they would never take Iran on, but they put enormous pressure, America, you've got to do something about it. And Donald Trump was minutes away from launching an attack on Iran from some of their aircraft carriers out there at sea. They were going to launch an attack on strategic military bases in Iran. That's what they were going to do. He was minutes away from it, then suddenly, stop. We're not going to do it. You know what changed his mind? This man here changed his mind. He'd heard about what was about to happen with Donald Trump sending forces across and he rang the President of America, who's obviously got his direct line, and I'm sure there's other way around as well, and he said, if you attack Iran there will be enormous consequences. And Donald Trump went, don't want to get involved with Russia. You Don't mess with the Russians. It's been an age-old statement since Second World War. Don't mess with the russians he pulled back and russia has become a protector of the little surrounding countries in the middle east particularly with iran and now we believe with turkey and here they are here he is vladimir putin in the middle holding hands with the the uh, iranian ayatollah the, the spiritual leader, which really calls all the shots in Iran anyway, and uh, with Erdogan, the, the president of Turkey. He's, he's making this pact with them. That's Ezekiel 38. Go, the one at the top, the one at the top of his game, will have Turkey and Iran. And it says he will protect them. Don't you dare start a war with Iran. Don't touch Iran. He's protecting me. He's protecting Syria. He's protecting those People that are allies, just like Ezekiel 38 actually said. Now, I believe this next photo is uh, one of the most significant photos of Bible prophecy that I could show you for 2019. It's extraordinary. And when I first saw it, as most Christadelphian Bible students saw it, we all went, wow, it's all happening. You know, I said at the beginning, we don't live by faith anymore. We live by reality. We're seeing it now. It's not a matter of faith. It's a matter of being ready for the next step. And, and here it is. We're nearly at the end of our, our session, but this is one I've deliberately kept to close to last. In Ezekiel 38, it talked about Gog, which we believe is Russia, and that's another story, another time altogether to tell you about that and how that, we can prove that from the Bible it talks about Magog, which we believe is Central Europe, primarily Germany. It talks about Togoma, which we believe is the area of Turkey. And it talks about Goma, which is the area of France. And it says all of those countries would be welded together with Russia being heavily involved in the influence of those countries. Now, you might sit there and go, Really? I mean, you go back 10, 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago after the war, that, if I made that statement, you would laugh. That statement was made 2,500 years ago and God said, you can expect this to happen. Bible students, get your Bibles out, start reading because you can expect to see this happen prior to the return of my son to this earth. And then this appears in the papers. There it is. Putin, Gog, Russia. Uh, Merkel, Germany, Magog. Erdogan, Turkey, to Goma, And of course uh, the French, uh, I can never, what's his name? Thank you. Uh, Goma, France. There they are. Look what they're doing. They're all holding hands. This is a rare piece of, of photography. It is extremely rare. You want proof that this Bible is alive, that it is real? You just pick this, these things up here. This is, this is Bible prophecy coming to pass right before our very eyes. So the question is, welcome to reality, all of us. I don't care whether we've been Christadelphians for a long time or whether we're just here for the first time or whether we might have a slight interest in the Bible or whether we've got a great interest in the Bible. It doesn't matter. We're all on a level playing field when it comes to seeing these things happen. And God has an amazing time in store for us. And we are living in a time where the evidence of the things we have always hoped for are now a reality. We're seeing them happen in rapid succession. And it's only a matter of time before the greatest event this world has ever seen takes place. And that is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth. He is the one that's going to fix up this mess He is the one that's gonna solve the world's problems, And he is holding out an invitation to everybody to please open your Bible, please read it and please be ready for his return. It's no point in saying, oh, that's a great thing. Yeah, well, I can't wait for that to happen and then just walk off and continue everyday life. It doesn't work that way. God is simply saying, please, I want you to do something in your life now and be ready for my son's return. That's what he's saying. And it's not hard to do. He's not making it a difficult life for us to live. In fact, As Bible students, we live a very happy life because we know what's going to happen. We can see it. We're going to be ready for it. And God wants all of us to be ready for it. One of the last verses of the Bible says this, Behold, I come quickly. Now, the word quickly in the Greek, which the New Testament was written in Greek primarily, the word quickly means, Behold, I come quickly. Suddenly, I'm going to come suddenly. We hope when that sudden appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ happens, that we can be a people ready and waiting for his return. Thank you.